Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn, Focus Compounding, sitting next to Jeff Gannett. Jeff, how's it going today? Uh, it's going very well. How's it going for you? It's going great. We hope it's going great with everybody else as well. If this is the first time you are tuning with us here today, be sure to check out all the content that we put out there on the internet. Uh, go to quickfs.net if you're watching the screen right now. Uh, this is the website that we go to every single day. Uh, this is not Jeff's homepage. I think you said your homepage is sec.gov, but this has got to be your second favorite website that you go to mm -hmm. uh, to pull 20-year financial data. When we actually first started using this, they didn't really have a lot of international stocks, uh, but now they do, which yeah. is very cool. And uh, you could pull data in a very clear and concise way, very quick, hence the name QuickFS. So go to quickfs.net. And if you do sign up, uh, make sure you tell them that you came from Focus Compounding and we get a piece of that. It helps uh, just basically support everything that we do on the podcast. Uh, so if you want to support us, um, go to quickfs.net and sign up and tell them that you came from Focus Compounding. So in today's podcast, we're going to revisit something that we haven't talked about in a very long time. And then there's spinoffs. Mm. Um, probably haven't talked about them a lot because there haven't been too many spinoffs, I guess, uh, interesting ones um, over the past couple of years. Why do you think that is? Uh, just there haven't been a lot that have interested me. I mean, there have been some. I, I look at them and uh, we had some write-ups of some of them. There, I know that Garrett Motion was written up on our website. Garrett Motion subsequently went into bankruptcy. Um, uh, I talked about Residio. Uh, what was it? The other ones I've done. Uh, the breakup of United Technologies. I did each of those. So mm -hmm. Honeywell, United Technologies, all of those. Uh, Otis, I believe, was written up on the yeah. website. So the companies Carrier. that split off from that. Yeah. Hamilton Beach Brands, NACO. Yeah. Um, the, then you had, uh, what else? Intercom Communications. Although that was a different kind of version of it. Trust, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess we've had some, but those were like what? three years ago a lot of those ran up I mean, oh yeah no yeah. i'm just, I it's mean, been a hot minute right but it, a lot of it is not because they're not spinoffs i mean i think we mentioned what was it do we mention victoria's secret or there was a, some clothing ones um, i have that on here the jeans actually... one what did they name that one contour yeah yeah uh, so i'm on uh stock spinoff investing.com which i have found this website to be the best source to um, poll information. He's also a great follow on Twitter, so you could follow him. I'll put uh, up oh, there. He is right there. Rich uh, at stock spinoffs with two S's on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, Victoria's Secret, L Brands. Um, they have that. These are just the completed ones. Um, I guess maybe before we jump into it, I mean, what do you typically look for in a spinoff? One of our favorite books that we've both talked about on the podcast being You Could Be a Stock Market Genius is all mm -hmm. about special situations. And a huge component of that is stock spinoffs. Um, so what are your thoughts on that for anyone that hasn't heard of spinoffs or just haven't heard your opinion towards them? Uh, I haven't had much success investing in spinoffs. I've uh, invested in very few. I did um, Babcock and Wilcox, which split off uh, to what's now BWX Technologies. And that was good because it was a good business. Um, that was basically once it spun off, uh, broke it into two people valued the one piece higher than a combined company. So basically uh, they had a large negative value that they put on the part that um, still exists. It's still publicly traded in bad financial shape, uh, which what BW Enterprises is, it's, it's the um, coal and other boiler business. Um, and yeah, so there you go. 
so that still exists and it has a positive market cap of what is that 500 some million that that's probably not right because the enterprise value should be higher unless they converted a lot into it they raised a lot of capital um but what happened was bwx technologies after the split off was valued more highly i would say uh that one piece than both of them combined had been even though this one also has some uh value left over to it if you type in bwxt we can see that part So that's valued at what ten times the other one right mm-hmm. now yes. on like a five point two billion dollar market yeah, cap, if that's correct. And uh, it's uh, the two of them together. I think were valued at the equivalent of mm, more than. Th- let's see, uh, maybe thirty five, forty percent of what BWX Technologies is at now. So BWX Technologies alone is valued. Um, you know more than double probably two and a half times what the two combined were uh, worth before so that breakup kind of unmasked value i guess there Mm -hmm. what are i mean what are things that people should typically look for in spinoffs i mean if you read like greenblatt stuff it's always you know the incentives who's going over to the spinco what's the remaining company going to look like what are the businesses, you know, what it's going to be. Uh, he always talks about how if you have a company in one industry and they're spinning off something in a completely different industry, that could be a potential mispricing. Um, yeah, he had success with that. I never have um, that way. So like the incentives thing, yeah. you know, like KLXE w- would have had tremendous incentives that way and I didn't really like it and, and was worried about it and stuff. So um and that I, came out like what three to four times EBITDA. It was yeah, a lot of cheap. people no debt. seem to like when there's lots of incentives and when there's a lot of leverage and stuff. Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think some things about the spinoffs have changed maybe over time since the book was written. There, there, just there were more and more spinoffs done, and they're breaking up more conglomerate companies. So it got to the point where uh, there were less attractive things to do that way. You probably only spend something off if you can't sell it. Um, not always the case though. I mean, the, you know, people who, uh, we talked about NACO and Hamilton beach brands. And so, and they had spun off high street Yale before that too. So that over time for them, if you add up all the things that they spun off from it would have done fine for investors in it. And there've been other companies like that. Actually, some companies that continually spin things off, uh, seem to have good results actually. So if they're good capital allocators and they want to spin things off, that works. Yeah. But we're talking mostly more about like big companies that want to get rid of stuff, you know, get rid um, of the waste. Yeah. Well, United technologies was a little different, but, uh, the Honeywell spinoffs, I did feel that that's what they were doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on? So you have, you know, part of your portfolio, let's say you take like 20 to 20% of a portfolio and you focus all that on like a strategy, like spinoffs. Have you ever been a fan of people that do that or that type of strategy? So like maybe you have like, you know, 70 to 80% in your portfolio where it's, you know, compounder type companies, high quality businesses, but then you take like, uh, you know, 10 to 20% where you focus on doing special situations, spinoffs, uh, types of stuff like that. Yeah. I just haven't found the opportunities in spinoffs. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that makes sense. I've said to people that would make sense for doing like net nets. Uh, it, it might work for spinoffs. I mean, they now have spinoff index, right? Like a way that you can invest in something that does that. True, so, yeah. um, if you want to buy everything, uh, you know, he was more selective and then you have a pretty very, concentrated, I was going to say concentrated as well. It was like what, four to five positions. Well, spinoffs tend to be pretty, um, volatile. And lately the other thing is they have very bad 
a lot of them have very bad credit. So they, they've been spun off. They almost all target the same. Uh, almost everything I saw, no matter what the logical reason for it uh, before, what it how it would have been capitalized, was doing it where they would target like very borderline investment greed. So the real money that they were making was uh, they were really spending them off to uh, get cash out of them, basically to pay themselves a dividend or get rid of debt themselves. So by having a spinoff where they have a lot of debt. Um, oh, I also invested in Haynes Brands. So that was another one. Mm-hmm. That one I thought was, that was good. Uh, but just, you know, attractive business that way. BWX Technologies and Haynes Brands both. Um, I thought they were just more attractive. Uh, not real high growth, good businesses that are kind of revealed that way. Mm-hmm. Now, BWX Technologies, that well, I invested in before, they split it up and it was really the breakup of it. The BWX Technologies part is kind of the part they was the good company and Babcock and Wilcox was the bad company. Um, Do you think when you look at um, some of these companies, like, are you going into it w- under a different lens? You know, you're, you, the businesses you're looking at, I mean, are you going to look for finding the type of high quality compounders, you know, look at stock spinoffs with, you know, the same set of eyes? Uh, Usually there's, I mean, there's two parts often. So you can see the logic behind them. So if we go down, you could see some of them like, so some of these are planned that I know about. So there should be one that's, um, uh, did they have the, the Exelon spinoff? Let's see. So announcement day, target day, like go to the resource page. So like see. that's an example. So I think that what's happening there is they're trying to split off their regulated utility stuff from their generating assets. Mm-hmm. And the generating assets are very interesting. I've always looked at this company. I don't like the company, like as a company really, um, but I like some of their assets, but people don't like their assets. Uh, they don't like that part of the business. It doesn't get valued as highly in the market and stuff like that. So they're, they're nuclear power plants and some other stuff too. And they're interesting assets. So um, I, you know, I've watched the company for a while, but never bought it because I kind of don't like the direction they went with cap allocation, all that. So I'd be interested in the, what they call the non-utility assets, the 21 nuclear reactors, as well as that description. Mm-hmm. The other part I don't think I would be interested in, but I think their purpose in doing it is to uh, get rid of the stuff I'm talking about. So, which is, and I don't know if it'll go well doing that, but of course it's interesting because they'll have, they have a, a lot of generating assets that have low vari- variable costs, high fixed costs. A few of them are in, in states that probably the regulator isn't letting them earn a good return. And sometimes they make them keep nuclear plants open that they like to shut down. Uh, and then the other thing is that, of course, it produces no um, carbon emissions. So if there is in the future a desire to um, reduce global warming stuff, uh, then obviously you would want to have assets like that. But, gen- you know, there's not a most politically and stuff, there isn't much support for like nuclear. So why is that? Um, well, I mean, long term, the problem with nuclear was, uh, I would say really capital costs. People said that it was because of Three Mile and all that. But if you look, I, I think that high um capital costs and overruns and stuff made it difficult um it's kind of the opposite of gas uh, natural gas so the two often have these problems where there's kind of miscalculations of uh whether they be economical or not because 
nuclear is all up front and then just capitalize what's the return on that. And then gas is basically all variable. So, you know, um, you can make a lot of money if you're, you're sort of the marginal uh, supplier of energy mm. there. Uh, so, you know, but I don't know enough about it um, and what it'll look like afterwards. But I've just, I years and years ago, I followed the company uh, because of those assets that they're spinning off. Uh, but I didn't kind of didn't like the the organization and stuff that much. So, but they're all doing this. They're all going to this approach of having be, trying to sell themselves like as pure utilities to the market. You know, that's the part that's good. Why is that? Is that because the insanely high multiples? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. People don't like the volatile um, generating part of the business. Interesting. Yeah. Balsh and Lom is spinning off its uh, eye care unit from its just straight pharma unit um that is set to i think set to take place when was it? i think it's at q3 of 2021 um uh, yep q3 of 2020 i guess so i guess they're a little bit behind assuming that's correct um uh, this is actually originally what made me think about this podcast was because i always knew bosch and Lom, the eye care unit was the dominant part of the business this used to be valiant pharmaceuticals and then everything that happened with valiant they changed their name to Bosch and Lom, and now they're spinning off um, the eye care unit to its own entity. Any Wait, thoughts on that? Uh, no. So they don't have anything about when it spins off and all of that. It said Q3 of 2020, so it looks like it's still in the in the works. I actually went to the SEC.gov website to see if I could. I typed in Bosch and Lom and see if there's any Form 10 or anything, and nothing's really come out on that yet. So that's still up in there, um, but it's a contact business. You know a lot about you know eyewear, <laughs> lens, Luxottica. You've done a lot of research on the industry. Yeah, and there's the contact business. I mean, I think I like the lens uh, business uh, frames and lenses a lot better than the contact business. But then uh, they do have competitors that I think are publicly traded, like they said, right? Some of them are parts of other things. I, they they list. The most pure play one would be the second one on that list there. Uh, Cooper? Yeah. Cooper Companies? That I think would be the best. Uh, but I don't know what is part of the spinoff thing that they're talking about. Because the other ones are parts of larger companies um, like J&J and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So. Why do you like the lens business more than contact business? Oh, I think the contact business is much more competitive. Mm. Yeah. And that you're trading in a pure commodity and things like that. Whereas with, um, there's a lot less competition with the lens thing. I think there's more, um, influenced by intermediaries in it. You're more likely to go see an eye doctor and then, uh, have it, You have less control over the, um, the consumer has less control over the decision-making of shopping around and stuff for it. There's much more incentive to try to save money and stuff on, on contacts. And then there's lots of different companies that are involved in it. So yeah. Let's see. Sometimes what I like to do is see the completed ones and see where they're trading relative to that. I think mm-hmm. Greenblatt actually said that most spinoffs, um, what do you say? The best time to look for them is a year after they've been actually spun off. I yeah. wonder how true that still is, but I mean, probably yeah, said that, that was true when he talked ago. about it. Uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah, Victoria's Secret, that's, that's one that was interesting. We talked a little bit about that, I think, on a recent Snap Judgment. Actually, we could enter that one in too. Uh, Quick FS. Was put off from L Brands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and you know, Gap had planned to do that forever. That had been in the works for a very long time. That Gap was going to split up, you know, because mm-hmm. Gap is a company that's really old Navy is their successful brand. And yet they use the corporate name Gap, which is their unsuccessful business and has been for a while. Are there any other ones we could look at? Remember one that we looked at? Um, what was the company? Was it Serence? We talked a little bit about that one a while ago when it was first spun off. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I did some research on that and everything. And then it started to trade at a very expensive price, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That was one that actually interested me. It was Madison Square Garden. Because we talked a little bit about that one, right? Because we did research on MSGN right. a long time ago. And, and that's been MSG. Put, right. And they put it back together. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah, so they just like put it back together. Or something, and then they put it back together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing with... Um, uh, that's happened with a couple media things. I was going to say same sort of thing with CBS and Viacom is the same thing where they wanted to split up and they wanted to put it back together. Exact same thing. Family control of a media thing and then debate about what to do with that. So you can see sometimes, you know, those logically don't make a lot of sense. They mm-hmm. argue why they should split them up and then they argue why they should put them back together. Why is that? Is that based on just like the multiples that they're currently trading? Some at? of them. Is I it? mean, yeah. with the Viacom thing, I think Sumner Redstone was obsessed with the stock price. He was one of those people who watched the stock price every day, you know, in his office and whatever. And, uh, probably was right that they might give one valuation on something and not the other. And then when you split it off, you know, but in that case, when they split it off, the CBS part was thing that people kind of realized probably had more value than they had thought before. Um, so sometimes it's the opposite of what you were intending. I think what they were intending there is the fast growing MTV cable stuff is what people would be attracted to. And John Malone as well. He did a bunch of spinoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that an interesting tell when you see a capital allocator that is known for, you know, creating or buying businesses and eventually spinning them off later on. Well, a company that does that a lot, I believe, is uh, IDT. You ever follow this company? Yeah. Different. Yeah. The CEO of this business does that a lot. Yeah, I know this. I mean, I don't know the CEO personally, but yeah, the CEO has done a lot of different businesses with lots of different spinoffs, lots of very strange spinoffs, weird assets spinning off. I mean, if you watched what he would do, um, that would give you a lot of opportunities to buy some strange stuff sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very. Yeah. They did one that was a really uh, weird one. I, I th- kind of feel like they did it just because they knew the public wouldn't be able to value it and stuff. So. And then like they ended up buying a lot themselves. Why would they do that? What do you mean? Uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, it's like Malone, for example, right? They said that right. his prospectuses were like famously incredibly complicated. Yeah, he set up. Li- yeah, he set up liberty so that he would make him to make himself rich. Yeah, I mean, to do a deal where he would get a lot of it because other people want to buy into it. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Again. So I mean, so a capital allocator is very different that way than a big corporation that's doing it. So when, when some of these big companies are doing it, like my guess on the Exxon one really is that they just want to be like pure play utility thing and how they're seen. And they talk to the analysts about it and the analysts say how much they think each part will be. And you can read reports on it. I think that's a lot of what the BWX Technologies one was. Um, is same idea that they'd be valued like a, like a defense company or something once the once it happened and they want to get rid of having this association with coal and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones that are done by more p- people who are involved in financial engineering and stuff, you know, those like, like we just said with IDT and stuff, those can be different. Um, and you know, would want to watch them carefully for it. 
Let's see. Is there any information? No, I mean, they have information on their investor thing, but this is, but I mean, it's very well covered by the uh, analysts and stuff, mm -hmm. utility things that way. So, and you know, we'll see. It depends on how it spins off and it could be disastrous and stuff, especially if they try to put debt on it, which they might do. And if they do, they could easily bankrupt it. So, I mean, a bunch of them have had that. Mm -hmm. or, I mean, I don't want to say which ones they are and stuff, but there's been several spinoffs where I thought it was inappropriate. That As in, in like, they killed the spinoff company? Yeah. That it wasn't set yeah. up to succeed. Yeah, and you, you can't really do that. Yeah, you'll see, like, a huge parting gift to the parent. Or, like, the spinoff oh, will raise a bunch the, of debt to be the, able to do that. Some of them were structured to try to have much of the effect of taking toxic... Um, liabilities off of your balance mm -hmm. sheet. Now you can't really do that, and they didn't do that. But they had agreements in place that could be sold to investors as if they were getting rid of uh, it. You know, that's the way that I felt about the um, residio and those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, was that it was structured that way, kind of to be able to say, "Look, we got rid of these liabilities." They don't, they don't get rid of the liabilities, but they get payments that offset them to a significant extent, and so it kind of cleans up your earnings and stuff that way. Aren't they challenging that? That what? they did, they did that purposely. The spinoff to basically do away with those liabilities. Well, that's clearly why they did it. Yeah, I know, but like, is there is that like being held up in court or anything? With Residio? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, Residio was set up better than Garrett Motion, so which did go into bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. But that's more an issue of what kind of business it was. Do you think Greenblatt writing the book really uh, changed the way that spinoffs are? Or do you think it's more so there just hasn't been? the same amount of quality of companies coming through or just the same amount of volume, I would say. I mean, I think buybacks were originally great and now they don't mean anything. So what do you mean? I mean, I think buyback, I think if you bought stocks that were buying back their stock in the 1980s oh, and saying. stuff, you would have had really successful companies mm -hmm. and now it doesn't mean anything. Is it more so because companies almost just like uh, they get like a, a system going where they automatically buy back the stock every single quarter or like they'll, or they'll buy back their stock at any sort of valuation where before it was when they actually viewed it as being opportunistic? No, I think that uh, it, in the 80s, no one viewed stock buybacks as a good thing. And when Greenblatt was doing spinoffs, people didn't view spinoffs as a good thing. Now they do view them as a good thing, so they're, I don't think, as likely to be attractive going forward. There might be sometimes, but now companies sell the idea that a spinoff is good for investors. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, a spinoff was what you did when you couldn't sell your, a piece of your company. Um, I still think that is to some extent true. Normally they would rather sell than spin off. Um, you know, that's usually how they prefer to do it. Why is that? Just so they get the cash? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think spin offs are usually done when they feel that they can't get a good price for it or when there's problems like the ones we talked about where there might be issues with, um, uh, legacy stuff. I mean, those aren't, those are complicated. Those aren't even really legacy liabilities of those businesses. They just wanted to get rid of stuff, you know, so. Mm -hmm. If you were to run like a special situation portfolio, so just entirely special situations, would you structure it differently than like a very high quality portfolio where you're looking to buy businesses that, you know, you're looking to hold for 10 plus years? Or would you think about the same way with spinoffs and just kind of use it as the pond that you're fishing in? Um... I guess you have to structure differently because you probably need to be doing two things. 
you need to have somewhere else to put the money while you look for opportunities to come along. Uh, would be my guess. But I don't really know how Greenblatt did it that way. If he just felt that he could find things all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, he would, like I said, his portfolio was like, what, three to five names back then. So very compl- or very concentrated. Yeah. I mean, you could do something where you're in some index or something until you find something to do. I just think the danger is that so so many things you you could you feel limited looking at a calendar saying I have to do these things if you say that you're in a narrow um, especially like spinoffs you know mm-hmm. and then there's websites like this that show you every spinoff and everything so I just feel like it's not as yeah before he would just have to read about it in the Wall Street Journal he said now in his class notes he would also give calendars and stuff like that but it was just less a lot less followed obviously yeah but I mean like so go to QuickFS and type in STRT. So this is Stratic. This is a company that's mentioned in, um, in You Can Be a Stock Market Genius. Right now, if you look at the valuation you get on this company and what this company looks like and everything, and you compare it to what you get from spinoffs, are you, this, so this has been public for 25 years or whatever now since he wrote the book. Uh-huh. Is this a better deal or spinoffs? I don't think this is more expensive than the spinoffs. So is it more overlooked as a public company that's, you know, been trading stuff for a while now you could do the math you could compare it to other auto parts companies and all of that and see how it compares i'm not sure that the things that are spinning off are spinning off usually at really unattractive uh, prices i mean i looked at some of them and if i didn't write up a spinoff it's either one of two reasons one it's like retail or something that i don't understand two is that um the price was just not good and on a, a enterprise value basis i think the price on a lot of spinoffs hasn't been that cheap mm-hmm you know, so, um, you know, like the United Technology ones that I mentioned, uh, the business I liked a lot was Otis. Didn't feel the price was right. Another business that they spun off, I thought the price was okay on, but I, I didn't love the business. So, not that I hated it, but, you know, I just thought it was way too expensive, mm-hmm. you know, Otis. So, it's not like it's being ignored. You know, if anything, it probably gets a higher valuation as a standalone company. Lots of companies do. I mean, I think most, they tend to be valued higher if they stand alone with the exception of things that by being combined get higher credit scores and stuff, uh, credit ratings. But other than that, so like sometimes insurance companies, combining a bunch of them seems, the market seems to like them better. Uh, but other kinds of companies, uh, splitting them up usually seems to have the higher valuation right now. Interesting. Yeah, no, it'd be cool to, I just, I I still look at the calendars and stuff every now and then, but I just haven't found anything that I thought was um, something that you'd be interested in. Try Hamilton Beach Brands. So get an idea for how it's valued after being split off. Um... Right. So this is back up three times or so, two to three times from where it was at its low. So it did during COVID and stuff get fairly cheap. But you have a valuation on it, which was the idea behind it, uh, the argument of splitting it up, where, you know, it's valued on its own now without having anything to do with coal and stuff that people will value it um, more as, you know, EV, what's like EV a pure play. 10, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Yeah. So, and that was on a, a good year of EBIT for, um, because of, you know, the COVID stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, when there were write-ups of it, I think Clark Street Value wrote it up and stuff. That's mm-hmm. kind of what people were aiming for, 10 to 15 mm-hmm. times, you know. They were more were interested crazy. in Hamilton Beach brands, I remember. Yeah. And I think in terms of the valuation put on it, that's true. Look, 
valuation is terrific versus the valuation that it got on NACO, by the mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can see how much it produces in in EBIT and in EBITDA and cash flow and all that compared to the two parts of the business, it gets a good valuation. So splitting it up works that way. Mm-hmm. And like I said, with BWX technology, same thing. So splitting off anything to, related to coal from your business helps a lot. Um, a lot of times I think if there's something about a, a company that people find unattractive, splitting it off will get a higher valuation, even though you would think, why should there be a negative value attached to something that's producing earnings? Mm-hmm. But and then there's a perception too of like different investor bases, so you could have commodity type funds or funds that are or investors are more interested in a company like Hamilton Beach Brands, but they would never touch a company like NACO, for example, or vice versa. Yeah, Hamilton Beach Brands also has the benefit that it's actually a known brand, and so changing your name to a product that consumers actually see and everything almost always is going to get you higher valuation. Mm-hmm. So like having something called. Um, like Haynes Brands and stuff with Sarah Lee, but if you just had something that was called, you know, Consolidated Brands, you know, and you had in it um, a hot dog brand and a bread brand and a underwear brand and stuff, um, if you split those up and gave them a name that people recognize, then investors are going to buy it more. It's it's always a better idea for investors if it's something that is close to the consumer to have it named for that. It'll get attention to it. You can often find bargains in things that. Uh, the name of the company doesn't match at all um, what what people would recognize it for. Mm-hmm. So they can tell this is an appliance company. Before, what would they do? They're people that don't want to own coal, mm-hmm. right? They can't, maybe for ESG reasons or whatever. Then they're people who do want to own that. They don't want to own an appliance company. You know, so it's interesting that way. It, but it's strange because then you buy, you know, these diversified baskets of things and you own all that stuff in it by investing passively. So you actually do own all these things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like if you buy like like an index that has all all those sort of things. Yeah, any index has all that stuff yeah. in it. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are the biggest parts of an index? Uh, some of the biggest parts of most indexes that people would own, whether it's value, growth, dividend yield, whatever. Um, a lot of them are going to include um, technology things and oil things as some of the biggest ones in mm-hmm. it. There'll be some other stuff, but you'll have a combination of both of them usually, yeah. Got it. Cool. Any last thoughts on spinoffs, our old friend spinoffs that we haven't talked about in a, yeah, probably th- about over a year? I think spinoffs are good as a way to value stuff mm-hmm. um, without seeing what it's going to spin off at. So you have a realistic idea of it. Um, but I feel like for value investors now, they're like IPOs. You get write-ups everywhere about them before it happens. They break it down, tell you, show you the comps on it. It's almost like the same thing. Um, very small spinoffs could be interesting, especially because no one wants to keep the part that's spun off. Mm-hmm. Um, so like NACO is a good example because the, the two parts that are being broken up into were very small because it had already done High Street Yale, which is a bigger company, um, a while before. So by splitting it off each time. Um, I also had, there might be some success in that. I have found that companies that do um, repeated spinoffs are more interesting. So like you were saying, you know, with 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 um, capital allocators or whatever, they spin off a few times and things that are more complicated, even with the Babcock and Wilcox thing. The only reason why I think it was mispriced, two reasons why I think it was mispriced, is uh, it's had to be split out of a parent company uh, for stuff that had nothing to do with it a few years before. And um, and uh, also in addition to it was a legislative change. And um, also it had a money losing part to it, too. 
So if it hadn't been for those two parts, I don't think that just breaking up the company that it had the boiler, the coal and boiler focused one and the nuclear um, ships business, that those two things uh, together, I don't think that that would have led to such a um, pricing issue if the mm-hmm. company had a long history. But it hadn't had a long history because it had been part of another public company that within the last five years had had serious problems. And um, and then it had a big money losing part of it. And Greenblatt talks about that in the spe- in the book. I mean, that's very good when you have a money losing part of the business. Anything where someone's giving kind of negative value to something. He talked about that with the Marriott situation. Yeah. yeah. He bought, I, I believe, the, the part of the spinoff yeah. that like nobody wanted. And it looked yeah. just disgusting. <laughs> he said police said like he read the prospectus because because he knew that nobody else would yeah um and so i i think that same approach makes a lot of sense i don't know if spinoffs is the place to look though like i feel like that the ideas that he expresses like his philosophy of how to find things is good i don't know that the actually like focus on spinoffs or something is the best way um, using the Garrett Motion example, you could have bought it as a spinoff, but then it also went to bankruptcy and came out. Mm-hmm. So you could have bought it in that situation instead. You got, you know, uh, which is the one that offered you the better price on it and everything. Um, and the, the, there's lots of companies where that's true, where, you know, look for the things that everyone's throwing out. Why are they doing it? It doesn't have to be a spinoff that way. It's just a company that looks disgusting and that is in an unpopular area and all of that kind of thing. Um, a lot of these spinoffs don't fit that anymore. So I feel like if it's a spinoff, but it doesn't fit that, then is it really attractive? Like if it's a spinoff, but everyone's interested in it. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Or it's a good performing stock. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the other Same thing. Concept, if it's like yeah. a bad performing stock and then it's spinning off and, and all those. Anything where they're splitting up for reasons that aren't like economic reasons could be more interesting, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think the ideas that he talks about are good. But I think that people focus a lot on like, is it a spinoff? Is it whatever different special situations he's talking about? I don't think that's as important. I think his research process that he's talking about reading the filings and doing all that is the important part. The actual stock picking process. Yeah. Like an a- analysis and stuff like yes, that. Yes, and I yeah. think a multi-billion dollar spinoff of giant companies like, you know, uh, like um, UTX and all of that. Um, I don't think that those really fit what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Got it. Cool. Well, I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with the both of us on today's podcast. If this is the first time you're tuning in, hit the subscribe button wherever you are listening or watching us. Uh, go to quickfs.net. If you're watching us right now on YouTube, uh, this is the website that we use every single day. Uh, if you do sign up, make sure you tell them that you came from Focus Compounding. Uh, the best place to get everything that we put out into the world is by hitting that follow button on my Twitter at Focused Compound. I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in and we will see you in the next podcast.